Okay, good morning everyone. My name's Elizabeth. I've been a member of Hope Church for 12 years nearly. I'm on the leadership team and uh, it's, it's just really good to be here this morning to talk to you um, about, um, yeah, quite an amazing subject. I'm feeling a bit in awe that I'm talking about this today. Um, but we're in the midst of a series on the uh, Father's heart and evangelism, sharing the Father's heart. And last week, ooh, hello, which way did, yeah. Last week, John uh, talked to us about some of these root issues. And he, he just encouraged us that if we were listening to his preach and feeling uncomfortable, like, oh, what's God doing? You know, don't, don't be worried by that because sometimes God really does speak into the core of who we are. And today, we're really going to reach perhaps one of the most fundamental pivotal things about the Christian life because today I'm going to talk about the Father's heart. Wow. And I want to invite you to join me on a journey this morning. I don't know where you're at. I don't know where you're at in your Christian life. I know lots of you very well, but we're all different. But I want to join you and I'm going to ask us to focus on two things. Firstly, do we want to know more of the love God has for us, because it's his love that transforms us. And secondly, I believe God is speaking to us as a church about evangelism, and it's fundamental, absolutely important, that evangelism comes from an overflow for God's love for us. Otherwise, the consequences is religion. But today, I want us to hear God's heart for us of the consequences that when we know God's love, goodness and joy flow out of us. And so as I was praying about today, I felt God speak to me quite clearly and ask me a simple question. And the question was this, do you want to change? Do you want to change? And each of us are going to have a different response to that. But I just want us to think about that for a minute. Do you want to change? And what I'm going to do this morning is I'm going to pray for us using scripture. At the end, you'll have an opportunity to pray this prayer together. But I just want us to just sit. Let's listen to these words written thousands of years ago, but still true today. Father God, yeah. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, Hope Church, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love 
that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. As you can tell, this topic is quite huge. Um, You'll be pleased to know I'm not going to go from Genesis to Revelation, telling you all the reasons why and who the Father's heart is. Um, But actually, I'm going to look at a parable that Jesus told. And in this parable, Jesus just, it just sums up in a really brilliant way the Father's heart. And so we're going to read today uh, from Luke 15, 11 to 31, and it's the parable of the lost son. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, father, give me the share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all that he had and he set off for a distant country country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he'd spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am, starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to the father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your sons. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the robe, my best robe, and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he's found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the oldest brother was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come home, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he was back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, 
all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him? My son, the father said, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad, because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So today we're going to focus on the Father's heart and how we in fact respond to the Father's heart. And this parable is often used to encourage us uh, about evangelism and restoring people and saving the younger son. But actually this parable was told after the religious people of the day had questioned Jesus. They were muttering to themselves, who is this man? He eats with sinners. And that wasn't a good thing, by the way. <laughs> oh, hello. <laughs> um, and so actually, when Jesus does these three parables about the lost coin, the, uh, sorry, I've forgotten the other ones, <laughs> and the lost son, he's challenging the religious people of the day. And he's saying them, do you understand your heavenly Father's heart? But I'm very aware that when we talk about the Father's heart, for some of us, that is really, really hard because our own fathers have not been the best. In fact, for some of us, they've been incredibly difficult people and they've caused us a lot of pain. And for some of us, when we think of the Father's heart, actually, we don't think of the good things, okay? What we think of is maybe a jealous father, abusive, envious, we might have shame, bitterness, violence, disappointment, authoritarianism. And these views are going to make it really difficult for us to hear what the Father is saying to us today. And I want to encourage you that God is gentle, compassionate, and strong. And he knows what you have been through. He knows the pain and the suffering. He knows that for some of us, even to say the word dad is very, very difficult. But this morning, he wants, God wants to encourage you to start the journey with him because he wants to help you understand who he really is. And so even now, if you know that hearing about the Father's heart is painful and difficult, Let's ask God right now, God, help us to hear what you're saying. Help us to believe who you really are. We need you, God. And God, I thank you that you know that sometimes this is not a quick fix, but you're there with us, prepared to hold our hand, to walk with us, and to see maybe for the first time, the wonderful love of the Father. In Jesus' name, amen. As we read this story, there are several attributes of what a father is like. 
And the first two, I've kind of put them together because it's really difficult to pull them apart and look at them separately. But the first one is about God's generosity. In the story, the father is very generous and actually he is freeing. Right at the beginning of the story, the younger son says to his dad, give me what I need. Give me my inheritance. Now, I don't know about you, but I think I would struggle a little bit if my children asked me for their inheritance. And actually, for the father in the story, when you think about this, it was incredibly costly for him to do this, because in those days, I don't think they had banks where they could store their money. So what the son was actually asking his dad to do was to sell his land, sell the way he earns money, give it to him now, so that he could do what he wanted with it. So costly. Yet the father says, yes, here you are, have it. But more than that, the father is not only generous to his own family, but we read in verse 17 that when the younger son is at the limit, at his end of himself, he's reminded that the father's own servants have enough. In fact, he says they have more than enough. They have leftovers. So the father is not only generous to his own family, he's generous to those who work with him. And likewise, our heavenly father is generous. The Bible tells us he has given us every blessing in the heavenly realms. He's given us all that we need. He's given us life. He's given us breath. He's given us our minds. He's given us the protection of the Father in heaven. He tells us he's going to provide for us, not just once, but every single day. Because like the Father in this story, the Father in heaven, our Father in heaven, is very, very generous. But he's also freeing. And these two characteristics of generosity and freedom are really intertwined in the story. It's quite difficult to separate them out, so you might see that I'm repeating myself quite a bit. The father in this story is not controlling. He had every right to say no to his son. Every right. But he doesn't. And even though he probably knows the consequences of what giving all this wealth to the younger son would be, he still does it and allows the son freedom. 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 That is our God. You see, from the beginning of time, right in Genesis 2, God chose a relationship of freedom with his people. He told Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, he said, you can eat any fruit, but not the fruit from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. God knew what the consequences of eating that fruit would be. He knew it would be death, it would be pain, it would be suffering. And I find this so difficult, isn't it? But he still wanted freedom in his relationship with us. And that is mind-blowing. And I was trying to think, how, how do we understand this? How do we grasp this freedom of our Heavenly Father? 
And I was reminded of when uh, my kids were one, three, and five. We used to go and pick up John from the station at Parkway. And I don't know if you know, there used to be this long pathway down to the station. And uh, they would be looking out, waiting for him. And excited to see when Dad would come in home. And when they saw him, there'd be this mad dash to run to their dad. They didn't want anything from him. Well, I don't think they did. <laughs> they just wanted to be with him. And John used to go and grab them all up, and the little one would be last, running down, because he could only just walk. And there was just great joy in being together. Contrast that, and I don't know if you've ever seen this, when an p- adult says to a kid, do you love me? And sometimes the kid's very compliant and says, yes, I love you. But a lot of the time they're like, what are you doing? Why are you asking me? Yeah? You see, God didn't want us to be robots who do as he says at every moment. He wanted that freedom of love. The freedom of us running to him. Choosing to be with him. Longing to be with him, to spend our time with him. But there's more, because there's an even deeper truth in this parable. Because in this parable, we see the father do something so anti-cultural. So the father in this story was a wealthy man, He would have had prestigious, he would have been respected and dignified. But we see that his love and compassion for his son meant that while his son was still a long way off, so this guy has been looking out for his son, while he was still a long way off, he picked up his coat and he ran to him. It was like, I don't know if you know in the news, uh, our king, unfortunately, is very ill, and his younger son flew back to see him. Can you imagine the news if the king had ran down the concourse of the airport to greet his son? This is where we're at. This is our heavenly father. He is running to us. He had every right, this father in the story, to be judgmental, to punish, to disown the younger son. Every right. He could have even sent a servant. I'm not dealing with him. He's not my son. He said, I'm no longer my son. I'm not dealing with him. But he put down that right, and he ran to his son. And when he got there, he didn't tell him off. He outstretched his arms and he hugged him. And while the son was trying to repent and return back, he said no. The son brought him shame, dishonor, and loss of wealth. This was a travesty. Yet, through the father, the shame became honor. Punishment became celebration. Loss of identity 
became identity for the son as he was given the ring back. And likewise, for God so loved us, he gave Jesus. So there'd be no shame and death, but life. No condemnation, but forgiveness. Our Father gave himself to rescue us so that we could have an identity. We could be forgiven. There wouldn't be shame, but honour. Look at this. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save him. So he saved the world through him. And while we're still focused on the Father, let's just pause and think, how would have he summed up that day? It was a good day. My son has returned to me. Let's celebrate. This is our God. This is the story Jesus told to show us of our Father's heart, of one of celebration, of restoration, of redemption, so full of love and compassion is our Heavenly Father. So what's our response? And in this parable as well, we have two responses to the Father's heart. We have the younger son. He was raised in the Father's house. He should have known what the Father thinks and that the Father had his best interest at heart. Yet the younger son wanted his independence. He thought he could do it his way. And firstly, his request was absolutely outrageous. I've said it before. Imagine now asking your parents for your inheritance. I mean, the rudeness is so not British culture, isn't it? (laughs) The younger son is basically saying, I don't need you. I don't need anything to do with you. My way is best. His way actually led to him squandering all his money. Nothing was left. The cost to his father was disregarded. The perceived freedom became nothing because he ran out of food and he had to work. His wealth had run out. And actually, as that last point says, he almost had to give his life to another. He gave himself, it says to another person to work, to try and have food. But in the parable Jesus told us, the younger son remembers who the father is. He remembers that his father's servants have food and he repents. He knows he's not a son. He doesn't even dare believe that. That, That's gone. He knows that is not going to happen. But actually... There's a little bit of the younger son who still doesn't fully understand the father because he tries to earn his way back. I'll I'll just become a servant, I'll earn my way back. It's ever so slight there, but this independent person is still earning and being independent. This is what I'm going to do. But as we've seen before, the father totally wrecks that. 
Sorry about that. It's a bit close. I can't put it around my ear because of my hair. Um, totally wrecks it. He says, no, I'm going to put on a robe. I'm going to put the ring back. You are restored. You are restored. You are not dead. You are my son. And likewise, we too can be very independent, thinking our way is best. And our Father, our Heavenly Father, doesn't condemn, doesn't get rid of us, but he runs to us. And then we have the older son. Now, he didn't choose independence. He chose obedience and trying to be good. But again, he missed the father's heart. In trying to be obedient, he actually shows he has totally missed what the father is going through. Because the father was suffering. The father was just heartbroken because his son had gone. And the older son doesn't see that. It's also in seeking to be obedient, he actually becomes separated from his father. He's not with the father, he's out in the fields. And in seeking to be good, the son focuses yet again on what he can get from the father. If he knew the father's heart, he would have known how the father would have felt when the son returned. He would have been with him, celebrating But what we actually see is what's going on in his heart. Because he says when his dad leaves the party and goes to him, he says, look what I've been doing. I've been good. But where was my party? Where was my fattened calf? I have tried to be good. And he says, I am a slave. Yet the father's response was, you are with me. All I have, literally now, all the father had would be his. And as I've said before, this is the same for us. All that our father has is ours. Jesus died for us while we were still sinners, so that now we could have every blessing in the heavenly realms. God is saying, here I am. So let's come back to our main theme of the Father's heart and evangelism. What is the motivation in our lives? What is the motivation in evangelism? It has to come from an understanding and a knowledge of the Father's love. Do we grasp the width, the depth, the length, the height of his love? God is generous and freeing. God is love and compassion. He is running towards us. Praise God. He's forgiven all our sins. He's generous and free, full of loving and compassion. But we don't want to be like the younger son who takes it and then just carries on with our life regardless. Likewise, we don't want to miss out on the father's heart like the older son, busy in the field and not realising 
what the father was feeling and the joy of the son's return. We want to be a child who understands the father's love and rejoices in it every day. God so loved me that he gave his son Jesus to die for me so I could have a relationship with him. I don't have to be in the pigs. I don't have to be in the dirt trampling around. I am a daughter. We are sons of God. And God wants to remind us how much he loves us individually and that that can overflow in our lives. It's like I feel like God wants to give us a fresh anointing of his love. And so there is a natural overflow of the Holy Spirit. God giving us love and enabling us through that to love other people. Not to block it, not to spoil it, but to love. So I'm going to go full circle and go back to that prayer that we prayed at the beginning. And I've got two questions to ask you. One is, do you know God's love? The width, the length, the height and the depth. In fact, I think it's going to be a lifelong learning. (laughs) But sometimes we miss it, don't we? Revelation, it talks about a church who lost their first love. And it can so easily happen. We can just get busy in the field. And God is saying, come back. Come and know my love again. Come and have a fresh understanding. And secondly, do we have an overflow of his love from us to others? We're talking about evangelism. In Corinthians, Paul writes, Christ's love compels me. I kind of feel this, like, just he's so full of God's love that he's just, I have to tell you, I have to talk about it. And so I'm going to invite you to stand. We're just going to pause for a moment, and then we're going to pray together, if you feel comfortable, the prayer from Ephesians, and we're going to ask God's love to come on us. I'm just going to encourage you that I think this is a moment for us as a church together, to grow together. Uh, We've told the kids workers we might run over, um, but I just want you to not leave without having spent some time with God. And I just want to encourage you from a story from my own life. I remember I was once at a massive camping, yay, conference. (laughs) And uh, it was, I can't even remember what the guy was preaching on, but I can remember there was a response like this, I had been a Christian for years, but I was stony cold in this. Like, I could, I had nothing. I was just like, <laughs> and I didn't know why. And I just want to tell that story because I actually went forward again. I went to this lady. I was like, I just feel cold. I have no, nothing in me. And it was amazing because she prayed some things and gave me some insights where there'd been a block in my life because of my own wrong, wrong thinking. And so if you're not feeling anything or you, you, we have this time and nothing seems to change, please don't go home disappointed because we are on this journey together. And sometimes God, because of his love for us, he gives us people to walk with us. 
So if you know that's you or you're finding this really, really difficult, please again, don't go home, but ask either the person next to you or come to the front, put your hand up. There's loads of people here who would love to pray for you. So let's go back, there it is, to Ephesians 2. If you feel you can say these words, let's say it together. I'm just going to say them out loud and let's ask because I know, oh God, I'm so like sometimes the older son. (laughs) But I want to know you, God. I want to know your love. So for this reason, I come before you, Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen us with power through his spirit in your own being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that being rooted and established in love, we may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide, how long, how high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that we may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church, in Christ Jesus, throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. And so, church, I just invite you, we've got a few minutes, let's just have that conversation with our Heavenly Father.